So what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to the online audience. Welcome to everyone in the, this room. Is there anyone here at New Freedom for this session for the first time? Anybody never been here? Wow, a whole bunch of you. So, so first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. What we do here is we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I do here is I try and show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience. And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that happened? So there's a show of hands, everybody uh, online and everybody that haven't been here before. When we speak to you of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. It's tangible. You'll feel it. And when you do, I'll know and I'll call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? So, so we're going to be in step nine tonight, which might explain why there's fewer people here. <laughs> eight and nine, I understand, but I, eight doesn't scare as many as nine, Sean. Okay, so the reason we want to look at step nine and take it seriously is it's the freedom step. It's the fitness step. It's the opportunity to fulfill that which I prayed for in three, my participation to be relieved of the bondage of self, right? So as we go through it, think about that and think about the states of being they're describing. And regardless of your belief, if you followed the process carefully, you should be experiencing relief. Yeah? Okay. So we're on page 76. We're in the middle of the page. It says, now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. Any of you recognize that from another book? Do you think it's by accident that it's there? They, these guys studied that other book for four years before they wrote this one. For the alcoholic, regardless of their belief, what we need to understand is we prove the power to us through it. So faith without works is dead for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I'm a doubter by nature. I need to prove the power to me, through me. But as the power is proved through me, it's observable by others. And therefore, the community is enriched because of the experience I'm walking in. Does that make sense? Because they knew what a train wreck I was. Any of you, any fellow train wrecks here? Okay. All right, so we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. When did we get such a list? So they said we made it when we took inventory. Why did I call that to your attention? <laughs> well, I was thinking more about the promise. Why, if I'm going to get my eight-step list from my fourth-step inventory, and, and I understand that, then rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. So there's a process, and then there's a 
experience of power, and the power is the path, but before I know the power is the path, I'm going to know there's a process to coming to believe in the power. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so, so it says we made it when we took inventory. We suggested ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. How many of you found your fourth step drastic? How many of you looking at it have decided not to do it because it seems drastic? Okay. So what they're going to go, you got to understand who we is. Those of you who haven't been here before, we is not us. It's no one you've met in your lifetime. We is the first 100. So they're telling of a story they have. They're giving us promises of what they experienced. We need to focus people on that because if you just hear something silly and it doesn't fit in here, just a little deception will cheat you of the power that we need to live. Right? Okay, so it says, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. So they're reminding us that willingness is divine power. For those of you more religious, Christ is my righteousness. If I could do it on my own, I'd have done it before I got in this club. Right? So I'm going to have to continue to ask, because it makes sense for willingness to keep growing. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. With whom did I make that agreement? At the beginning, it was just God. It was better to meet God alone than with someone who might misunderstand. So I went home to a quiet place, and even though I didn't have a very good belief system, I had been encountering power in two. The guy taking me through the experience pointed out to me, that that you're feeling, that's the power we call God. Go talk to that. And he'll introduce himself to you. Okay. So probably there are still some misgivings. How many of you are contemplating going through the step process? Do you have some misgivings? Probably, right? Okay. So, as we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. What do they mean by that? It's normal to feel a little uncomfortable going to some business acquaintances on a spiritual basis because many of us had some rather nefarious business partners. <laughs> right? Okay. All right, so let us be assured, reassured to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. We might prejudice them. So they're telling us one thing. I'm going to make many approaches, so I don't have to get it all done in the first approach. Does that make sense? And, and I've got to be sensitive to how they're approached, so the first approach may be just an admission of what I've done without a whole lot else. Yes? Okay. At the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. How many of you have felt that your life lacked purpose at times? How many of you have discovered that what you thought was a wasted life has somehow empowered you to help people in suffering in their own lives? Isn't that real purpose? Everything you thought you did to muck up your life has made you uniquely useful to save suffering for others? Okay, so it's seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we've gone religious. 
In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? So there's a question mark. They know that we're a little skeptical. Half the original fellowship were atheists or agnostics. And we fear what people will think about us when we start talking about God, do we not? How many of you are more religious, but they, because you know how you behaved, your own self-condemnation made it hard for you to profess? Okay, so to a person, that's possible that that might happen. So we want to go inward and remember who I made this agreement with, right? Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. I don't want to walk around blind. I'm going to check back in, re-up on the power. Does this make sense? Okay. So we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talks of spiritual discoveries. Wouldn't you be? You know what they're talking about? Hey, man, I've been out there looking for God. Sure sorry about your stereo. <laughs> While you were out there looking for God, did you happen to find my stereo? <laughs> yes? They, they want to know what it is I'm proposing in the way of change before they let me in again. Does it make sense? Okay. So we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God when it will serve any good purpose. We're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. What's that look like? Depends on who we're approaching, doesn't it? How many of you that are more religious and full of the Spirit have gone and approached somebody full of the Spirit and just freaked them out? <laughs> How many of you had real prejudice about that in recovery? We've got recovery and then we've got church folk and we talk about the same power in a completely different language okay so tact and common sense is going to require that i'm informed in the spirit isn't it the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise any of you got one of those at least one you guys how many of you don't like the word hate how many of you just don't give a shit what's that guy talking <laughs> Okay, that's cool. I, I, can, I can live with it. So the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he's done us more harm than we've done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're not, still not too keen about admitting our faults. So how many of you got those? I did that, but they were kind of bad too. And Okay. So nevertheless, for the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. So what do they mean? Yeah, take the bit in the teeth. If you if you come from farm country, when the horse gets the bit in the teeth, you're going where the horse wants to go. So we're going to take control of the situation, right? I'm going to initiate the contact. All right. It's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. Why did they remind me of that? Because it's true. I'm going to have some trepidation. I'm going to feel a little diffident. Yes. Okay. But we find it much more beneficial to us. So. Did I go to save my ego, or did I go to reduce my ego? Then, then I'm going to have to outgrow that fear and face this enemy and at least own my part, yes? Okay. So we, we go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. How do I get in a helpful and forgiving spirit to an enemy? I'm going to have to get centered in the spirit. I'm going to have to do more than consult. I'm going to have to saturate. 
And it better be tangible power by then, folks. Better not be a doorknob or a light bulb or any of the silly shit we hear around here. You don't hear around here, but it better be tangible power. I better get back into me and feel the peace that is my inheritance and then, then move out from there, yes? Okay. So, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit for confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. That's going to require power greater than me, isn't it? So those of us who don't believe in higher power, God, we're going to start having experiences in this process I'm able to be kinder than I feel like being. How many of you have had that happen? If you're able to be kinder than you feel like being and you haven't always had that level of self-control, did you not experience a power greater than you operating through you? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? Some of you have in Revelations. That's the power that's not happening from here. It's happening in you. Remember I told you we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God. So when I know you're having it, I know me knowing you're having experience may seem a little weird, but there's one who has all power. That one is? Yes, they're interchangeable, right? Okay, so it says simply we tell them we'll never get over drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. Do you believe that? It would help to believe that. If you want to be relieved of the man or woman who tried to drink or drug you to death, you're going to have to do your best to straighten out the past because otherwise I'm still tethered to it. Any of you ever found yourself tethered to a past you thought you'd rejected? So we're there to sweep off our side of the street realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. Do you notice how many times they said the same thing over and over again? How many of you have had to go make an approach for amends and you understand why they said it so many times? Sometimes I had to talk myself into it seven times on the way there. Sometimes while I'm talking to them, I had to shut me up seven times. Ever hear them tell you something that, although it was probably true, you didn't really want to hear about it? Okay. So if our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the results. So they're giving you a promise and a condition. What was the promise? I will be gratified. What was the condition? My manner needs to be calm, frank, and open. How many of you have put forth a calm manner, but what was going on within you felt anything but? That's when you know there's a power greater than you working through you. What does Frank mean? Yeah, direct, right? Frank is just trying, not trying to spin it, to Sean's point. And what does open mean? They, 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 may, they may have something for me that I don't remember or that I don't remember quite that way or whatever. So I've got to be open to because I'm there to sweep my side of the street. So whatever they think I own, that's okay. I'm, I'm taking out the trash. I can take it. Right? Okay. All right. So, so it says, in nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we're calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. 
Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Guys, this is when it doesn't hurt to have a mentor, sponsor, whatever you want to call it. Someone you can check with that's growing in the spirit. Because when it says rarely, just like rarely when we've seen a person fail, rarely means rarely. But it may seem that people are not making satisfactory progress because they're, they're not looking, they're not taking an infinite view. How many of you really did damage to family members? How many of you have started to see some restoration in that? How many of you wanted it right away? But they're, they're going to need some evidence of a changed behavior, and then they'll come back around, and you'll be on better footing, yes? Okay. So although we saw satisfactory progress, I couldn't see it with these eyes. I needed to see it with spiritual vision, right? I had to walk in faith a little while. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. So um, our former enemies sometimes praise what we're doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they'll offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We've made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. So what they're telling us is, if someone doesn't want to hear it, that is their right. I don't have any right to insist that they hear me. I'm going to ask permission for them to hear me. And if they're not going to hear me, that's fine. And if they call me back later and say I'm ready to hear it, then I'll be ready again. Make sense? But in the meantime, I was just there to get my side. Most alcoholics owe money. Apparently, that's still true. So what they say is, we do not dodge our creditors. How do they learn that? How many of you have dodged your creditors, got desperately uncomfortable, and now you know why alcoholics don't dodge their creditors? I'm paying for a phone I won't answer. I'm paying for a door I won't open. Okay. Tell them what we're trying to do. We make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. How many of you had that discovery? When you finally admitted your addiction, you made it unanimous? Did you think it was weird everyone knew before you? How'd they guess? Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. Um, I would caution you not to overread that. I'm not afraid to disclose my alcoholism when it will serve any good purpose to bear witness to the power that restored me. I am not going to tell everyone about my alcoholism who does not need to know because that may cause financial harm. Not everyone in the world understands what that means. They don't know I witness to them not as a current alcoholic. I, I witness to them as a recovered, restored person from a hopeless state of mind and body. I, I wouldn't even be able to show up to you where I my alcoholic state. I'm not speaking of a present condition. I'm telling you of a condition from which I was lifted from. Okay. So approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprising, surprise us, arranging the best deal we can. We let these people know we're sorry. So how do we let them know? We might say we're sorry. We might show up and arrange a deal and be prepared to honor the deal, huh? How many of you went and made a deal but didn't have any way to honor the deal? Some of us have, some of us have a history of that stuff. 
rather owe it to you than beat you out of it. See you later. So they, right, we're going to get prepped. Okay, our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go for we're liable to drink if we're afraid to face them. Perhaps, this is interesting for this room, perhaps we've committed a criminal offense. Masters of understatement, these. Which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We've already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we're sure we'd be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we're divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She's indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. Do any of that stuff sound familiar? Unpunished crimes unpaid child support or alimony. Okay, so if you've never been married, you've never done anything, I mean, there's a tendency in our mind, you know, that's not me. So they're going to point out the next thing is, although these reparations take innumerable forms, so whatever it is that brought you to fellowships of recovery, whatever calamity brought you here, that is one of those innumerable forms because none of us get in these fellowships on a winning streak. It does not happen. So although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding. How would you like to know the general principles they find guiding? That would be helpful, right? That was the whole purpose of the book, to enable me to find a power greater than myself that will solve my problem. Right? and then anyone else to do the same access to the same book. So reminding ourselves that we've decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. So with whom did I make that agreement? Did you know that that's what we made the agreement to do, to find a spiritual experience? A lot of people think it's to stay sober. What's the goal of 12-step recovery? To awaken, to awaken. Sobriety is a byproduct of awakening to who you are and whose you are. I love the amens. I wish my buddy Kevin was still here. He could throw them out for me. We ask that he be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing, we have to be, we must not shrink at anything. How many of you thought you could pass some part of this up and then later discovered it wasn't a good idea? <laughs> Usually, however, other people are involved, so now they're going to talk to us about that mysterious other, except when to do so would injure them or others. And over the years, I've heard people say, and you are others. No, you're not. Don't listen to that nonsense. I have a column. My part. I don't get to be in the other's column, too. <laughs> Not if I want to be free of me. I'll put me on every column. I'll be all over that page. And you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't want it to harm me. Well, okay. But that self is the one that's killing you. Quit, quit hiding in someone else's column. Um, Therefore, we're not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried. 
Because of resentment and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. Any of you ever had an issue with an ex-significant other that when you were doing, starting to do good? Any of you had that happen? Okay. So she was mad. He, she got an order for his arrest, and he had commenced our way of life. So what did that mean? Yeah, he'd contact the AAs. They were taking him to the meetings. They were showing him what was up. Yeah. So he had secured a position. So he'd found a job and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he'd walked up to the judge and said, here I am. It would have been, wouldn't it? If I'm trying to grow spiritually, is impressive heroics what I'm trying to do? No, there's no humility in impressive heroics. So it says, we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. This is where the people that are helping him are helping him to grow. Let's, let's process this. But if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. So I'm going to just go out and be this impressive hero, but now I'm going to leave two families with nothing. Because that's how I roll. We suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and he also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try and do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Which of those do you think was most poignant for her? Yeah, I don't think I'd leave anything out and there's no wrong answer because how you respond is how many different responses you could get. But the fact is, I, I really regret what I did. You didn't deserve that. Here's some money. This is what I'm going to try and do in the future. I did none of this to keep you from putting me in jail. If you still want me to go to jail, I'm ready to do that. And that whole, the profundity of that demonstrates changed nature, Yes. Okay, so she did not. Of course, he couldn't have known prior that there was going to be, and of course, she did not. This is so the whole the whole situation has long since been adjusted. So now we're back to the guiding principles. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. So who were the others in this case? The new employer, the new wife. Right, because I'm gonna if if she does insist I go to jail, I'm going, and they're all gonna get left in a lurch. But I don't get to do it on my own. I don't get to be a hero. I'm gonna have to go ask them to support me through it. Again, it's an exercise in humility. Does it make sense? Okay. Um, if we've obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. How would one know if the drastic step was indicated? You'll feel it. How many of you have known you needed to do something, didn't want to do it? How many of you reminded that power in you that was reminding you what you needed to do, that if we're going to go, you're going to have to go with me, right? And you'll start to grow in this power within, yes? Okay. So this brings to mind a story about one of our friends while drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. Any of you ever do that? 
maybe not a bitterly hated business rival, but how many of you, where's my construction hands around here? Did a little side work? Maybe got a little front money? And you're drinking when you got the front money. So maybe there wasn't a really good explanation for the evaporative rate of money in my possession when I'm drinking? Anyone ever not care to give that explanation? So that's kind of what happened to this cat. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt he'd done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? Question mark. Go inward. What right did he have to involve the partner, the wife, none without their permission, right? They're testing us. Do I know my guiding principles? Okay. How could he possibly make a public demonstration exonerating his rival? How could he? Let me tell you the story so you'll understand the rest of the story. Because I never know quite when to tell you what this story is. This cat never was an AA'er. He was more in the religious lane. So his church was, he was an Oxford group guy. And his church was very important to him. And he hadn't been able to go in many years because of his embarrassment. What had happened while he was drinking, he took money, and the guy was giving him money for the church fund. And he denied having received the money. And so he defrauded the entire church, which is why he couldn't go back to church. So those of you that had a church family, you know how that would maybe make us feel a little squishy. Yeah? Okay. So how could he make a public statement exonerating his rival? He's going to have to get up in front of the congregation. He's going to have to, right? He's going to have to consult the spirit because he has no idea who's been affected. So after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such, such ruinous slander. So now you understand why that language, right? Because of what he's got to do. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he'd soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. And after the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. That's what any links might look like. Those of you that have been involved in a church family can imagine asking to go up in front of the congregation and say, look, I took the money from him. I drank the money. I lied about him giving it to you. I stole the money from you, but I ruined his reputation in it. That's what any links might look like. Um, but then it says his action met widespread approval, and today he's one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. So what I want to call your attention to, those of you who have been around church life, you may see it very clearly. Those of you who have not, the thief of the church fund becomes the most trusted citizen in the town through the power of God. Does that make sense? So these are real-time you know, restorations of lives. The chances are we have domestic troubles. Come on. Somebody, right? Perhaps we're mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. I know some of you members here are, because I've seen the cameras. 
Just saying. We ain't mad at you, but don't try and lie about it. We have images. We doubt if in this respect alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. How many of you discovered that? Where's my math addicts? Complicated, right? Even having the homes complicated for the meth guy. They don't know which home they're going. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How many of you have noticed that? And then it says, how could she be anything else? So first thing they showed me was eyesight, worn out, uncommunicative. Then they say insight. How could she be anything else given what came home to her or him all these times? Right? That's why there's a chapter to the wives, so we can get a different perspective. Because, okay. So the husband begins to feel lo- so lonely, sorry for himself. Any of you men or women ever get to feel lonely and sorry for yourself because there you were trying to do the best you could and no one was appreciating your effort to not do? You do realize that the silly things we say, I need power to not pick up no matter what. Well, I got news for you. You'll never get power for that because it takes no power to not do. What I'm going to get power to do is to serve. My constant thought of others and how to meet their needs, and I'll always gain access to more power than I need when I offer it to you. So the husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Christie's Cabaret. (laughs) They have liquor there too, Sean. Perhaps he's having a secret and exciting affair with a girl who understands. Have any of you ever met him or her? The one who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? So if I'm honest with myself, it's really not about their level of understanding anyway. It's about whether I can continue to conduct myself in this way and not return to that person I once was that I'm hoping to be redeemed from. In fairness, we must say she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times. How many of you have been involved in behavior that you wouldn't care to have advertised and you did feel remorseful at times? See, here we got a thing here. We inspire dignity by empowering the innate goodness in every human being. That's pro- proving to you that's, that's our core, you know, that's what we do. That's our mission And the reason is because we know no matter what you're in, whatever you're going on in you, within you, if we can inspire your dignity, that innate goodness will show itself. The power to live will show itself, and you'll at least know that you're behaving in a way that is not the way you want to go. Yeah? Okay. So it says he's very remorseful at times, especially if he's married to a loyal and courageous girl who's literally gone through hell for him. How many of you have had somebody that you cared a lot about then acted out in temporary relief and it wasn't because you didn't care a lot about them, you cared a lot about them, but you gave no thought to it to get your selfish needs met? Because that's what we do, right? We do it with drugs, we do it with... Okay. 
So whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. So they're telling you what they had to do. If we think we're going to keep living that way, it's probably not going to work out. Does that make sense? Okay. If we're sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Another question mark. Come on, someone's got to have an opinion. <laughs> right, the question, how sure are we? I was pretty sure they didn't know about my addiction either. So it says, not always we think. If she knows in a general way that we've been wild, shall we tell her in detail? Some of you have experience with that. How come we don't want to tell them in detail? If you've ever been told in detail, you know why. It's hard to get rid of those images. It's harmful. Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She'll want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We're sorry for what we've done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Why do you think they were so insistent? How many of you had trouble with somebody you got kind of caught, and, and then they insisted on knowing the particulars, and you coughed it up? talk to us now specifically. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we've often found this the best course to take. So based on their mistake in giving up that information, they realized what I have realized is the minute I coughed it up, instead of getting empowered in the spirit, I ruined two relationships, and I was the common element. And, you know, whoever I was with had done that harm to them. I had done that harm to them. And what happens is the focus comes off me for a minute, and then pretty soon we got people mad, and it's, right? Okay. So our design for living is not a one-way street. It's as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. Yeah, I would recommend you not share that little tidbit with her. You might want to let her conclude that on her own. Or you'll get to stand at a podium and tell about that story. Yeah. <laughs> you probably have a bruise. Um, it's better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. So they, they had the very same experience I just laid out for you, and you may too, and that's okay. We don't beat people up for what happens, but the reality is that they learned all of the ways we should do things based on the mistakes they made, which is why they say it's meant to be suggestive only. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. So who's an outsider? Everybody else. Everybody else. Because you, you've got a counselor within you. Figure it out. The answer's for you or in you. Um, it may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk face-to-face -face combat. What do they mean? That's kind of flowery metaphor, isn't it? How many of you have told, after you've been emotionally hurt, that you shouldn't feel that way? 
Get over it. Come on, I'm doing good now. Any of you ever been told how you should think or feel? Did that make you feel any more comforted? No, it's not going to make us feel any better. So the idea is I should continue to demonstrate love and tolerance. How could she be anything else and allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit does? Make sense? I'm going to have plenty of other people to work with if I need to exit. I'm not, you know, I had a family that wanted nothing to do with me. I've been doing this a long time. I still got family that wants nothing to do with me. Guess what I got today? Hundreds of family. So we serve. We serve. Um, if we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. You ever heard that? least I'm sober. Dude. Does that make any sense in light of your experience? I was sober many times and then I wasn't. How come I was sober and then I wasn't if all I needed to do... Why did I admit to powerlessness in one? To get along or was it a fact? I knew there was a great need for me not to drink. That did not prevent me from doing it. So, certainly we must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't, but he's yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he was, has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding as the patients mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have had no homes today, would perhaps be dead. How many of you have, do owe kindness, you owe a debt of kindness to people? How many of you owe a debt of kindness to people you don't even know who they are? That's why 12 is really the big amends, because we're going to go back and carry this message to people who can't pay us back, probably won't know who we are, because that's the unending debt, right? Um, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. Do you, rec do you recognize what they're describing, the scene, when we come back from our addict run, our alcoholic run, and everything's a mess? Bills aren't paid, we've been stealing from the household, maybe we went to prison. Everything's a shambles. Relationships are dead. Any of you relate to that? So wouldn't it be unthinking to say that sobriety is enough? How many of you have had relationships you thought dead resurrected? What did you do about that? Nothing. It just happens, right? That's, this is the thing. So, so he's like the farmer who came out of the cyclone cellar to, tell, to, to find his home ruin. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. So I've left the whole place a wreck, but now I'm not drinking, so get over your silly self. Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. So we conclude that there is a period of reconstruction, 
And then they tell me who's responsible. We must take the lead. Who's we? The first 100 and everyone following them who wants to experience what they experience, the liberation of the spirit. Freedom from bondage itself, the byproduct of which is freedom from alcohol, drugs, whatever. So a remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. Why not? Think about that. There's been whole Seinfeld episodes on amends, and, and I just want them to say I'm sorry. But that won't fill the bill, will it? How many of you, on your way out to do it again, said you're sorry? How many of you wanted to talk to somebody who was talking to somebody else, and you walked right up to him and said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but then interrupted? So my actions are not in alignment with my profession. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the tolerance, kindness, and love. So I. We don't give enough credence to that in recovery. If your morning prayer includes a request for patience, kindness, tolerance, love, to be shown that when you see that way, because the world reflects how we think and feel, it doesn't cause it. When I'm empowered to see that way, I'm experiencing that. Does it make sense? And I need for people to know with families, families like us in the role we were in, because no family that raised us isn't sick in their own way, but they're suffering from the drugs I took. They may not be drug addicts themselves, but the minute I stop doing that, they want me back where I belong. It's a dynamic. It's not, it's not that they're unloving. It's just you're not playing your role. How many of you have had that experience? So we don't want you, we don't serve a power who runs into graves. We call them out. As a man walking in this power, they will follow me when I follow him. Does that make sense? Okay. So the spiritual life is not a theory. Why do they emphasize that? Because my drug addiction wasn't a theory. It was a real deal. Anyone else? I was tore up from the floor up all the time. That was not a theory. So my spiritual release better be every bit as tangible, yes? So we have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. Why? How many of you have been urged by somebody to do something spiritual and you thought... That's why worth, works, faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works, and I'll conclude whether the change has occurred. Yes? And then when you ask me how that happened, then I'll bear witness to his love, his power, his way of life, because that's what I agreed to do. Okay? All right, so... We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. 
Those of you still hurting from family, loved ones, whatever, they will change in time. That's a promise you can... Sometimes it takes a while. My son just got out of prison Friday. He didn't come here, but I got to see him. I prayed over him before he went in, strung out on heroin. Look at like for all the world he was dying. Then he went out and killed somebody, and I thought the marshals were going to kill him. And I prayed that they not kill him. And even though he didn't drop his weapon, they spared him. And he went into the prison system, and he came out with three degrees, and it took him nine years, and he told me yesterday that he was sure glad he didn't get killed. He tried to get the cops to kill him. They will change in time. Not a theory. Um, I don't know, I gotta go on. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. Anyone relate to that? How many of you are raised by, raised by alcoholic or druggies and, and then they told you they were changed? Maybe they really were, but you, you wanted to see that change at a distance? There may be some wrongs we can never fully How many of you got some of that stuff? Has someone helped you with that? I'll tell you a story about that too in a minute. Um, we, we don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen we send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. So they make every effort to go make the approach and then the restitution where they can. That makes sense? Because they're trying to get free of themselves. And they're going to send a letter if that's all they can do, right? They're gonna start making this, take the bit in their teeth. Um, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. So how many of you are afraid to go make the approach because they were kind of not very nice either and you're afraid when you go to them, they're going to humiliate you. Any of you got those? Okay, well, what happens when we actually get there is we find out when I treated them badly, I humiliated me, and when I went and took ownership of my part, then I was untethered to it. So what they remind me is as God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. I'm not there to grovel. I'm there to own my part because that's what we do, right? If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development are they talking about? I've done, I've learned to do a self-analysis. I'm armed with the facts about myself because of four. I've shared it with another human being and with God because of a five. Now that my eyes are opened, I said a prayer in six, right? And I ask for agreement, amen, which is not on step three, by the way, because I wasn't done, it was half the prayer, and had my eyes opened yet, it was a step of faith. Now this is, this is walking out sighted, yes? And now I've made this list, and I've perfected it in eight, and I'm prosecuting it in nine, right? So that, what phase of my development? I'm armed with the facts about myself, and now I'm out trying to get fit, yes? trying to get free of me, all right? 
So it says we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. Halfway through with what? There's no wrong answer. How many of you didn't have a second step experience until you were working with others in your 12-step call? How many of you had a profound second step and it made sense to you all of a sudden and all of a sudden you were empowered to... So you, you may be amazed the minute someone points out to you that what everyone else was talking about, God, was this power within you that you had recognized at various times in your life. Or maybe some, someone had told you about it when you were a child. Maybe you had some religious upbringing, you rejected it, but then all of a sudden when it started to make sense, you realized what was going on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. If you guys don't believe that we walk in faith around here, that's why it's called new freedom. Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Ask anyone who walks in here. This is unlike anything I've experienced before. We'll not regret the past nor wish to short, shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Comprehend and know. How does one know peace? Yeah, what is peace? Peace would imply a, a lack of conflict, an absence of conflict. How many of you have experienced an absence of conflict in your thought life? How many of you crave that? It's not always there, right? But I'm not going to make good decisions if I don't find a way to awaken to that state, yes? No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. How many of you have started to have that? Why? These are states of being. They're not just things on a wall. Why, Why? even though I was homeless and destitute and lost everything and ruined my family's life, why do I now know that my experience can benefit another? Because we believe in it around here. The blind see, the lame walk, the captives are set free every day, just like that other book says. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. How many of you have had that happen? The entire psychic change that they told me I desperately needed. Why? Because the world doesn't cause how I think and feel. It reflects how I'm thinking and feeling. So now I know when I'm having a tough time in creation, I need to check in with creator. Straighten it out with creator. Creation straightens out. Make sense? Our whole attitude, oh, I'm sorry, fear of people and of economic insecurity. How many of you have had that experience? I hear people joke about that. Fear of economic insecurity probably leave you because you'll confront some. Any of you had to pay bills that you didn't hardly have money to pay? Any of you have a difficult time making ends meet? How many of you got through it? 100% of you. So the fear left me because I know that I walked through it. But I have, I have been fairly destitute, and many people in here know that. Um, think I would ever, ever know what I know now and be able to walk as boldly in faith as I do now had I not had that experience of releasing all worldly ties. And I wouldn't have done it willingly. 
They had to beat that shit out of me. <laughs> Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic security, insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. And we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So what I was telling you about the amends that you don't think you can ever make right, I had a guy, some of you may know him if you've been around a while, they called him Black Wally, and I hung out with him, and he would go in the jails, and he would do stuff with me. And anyway, I left for a number of years, and I came back into recovery and into town, and I wanted to go see Wally because I wanted to admit to him that I had been kind of a mess, and I wanted to make it right with him, and I learned that he had passed. So I was a wrong I thought I could never make right. And what ended up happening one day, I'm sitting at a halfway house in a courtyard, and I'm taking a young man through his steps, and then the fourth step, as I'm going through his list of relatives and relationships, I find out I'm sitting with Wally's grandson. So, um, and there's many, many other stories, but so some of you felt that, right? That's, that's the power we call God. So believe it. So what it says is, are these extravagant promises? We only know to say, you're right, right? We only know to say we think not because we hear it read in meetings. But if someone promises me all this stuff's going to happen, and I'm like, yeah, right. That is not happening. So they are extravagant promises. And that's why they call it to our attention because we're skeptics by nature. We think not. Who's we? The first 100, they had these profound restorations even though they were destitute, hopeless. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And that's it. That's nine. Next week, we're back. Thanks. Thanks.